guys and welcome back to the Apex Delta Coaching Podcast. My name is Kieran Moore and I'm the head coach and owner of Apex Delta Coaching. On this show, my aim is to help educate, inform and drive you to get stronger, fitter and more resilient as an athlete and human. I'll discuss different topics in strength, fitness, mindset and more, as well as talking with guests on their areas of expertise. Today I was joined by Kirsty Watling. Kirsty is a coach and Pilates practitioner who believes in taking a more holistic approach to training, lifestyle and working through pain. We discussed Kirsty's coaching philosophies, where traditional approaches in the industries fall short and how Kirsty is training people as people. Kirsty helps guide people through an all-encompassing approach to dealing with pain and self-improvement. With that, let's get into today's show. Cool, so we're live. Uh, hi guys, I'm here today with Kirsty. Um, it's going to be a great chat. I think we've, we've already had a little bit of a discussion off air about kind of the industry as a whole and put it to its rights, but um, we're now going to get into kind of what we wanted to talk about today. So first off, what would be really good is if you could uh, introduce yourself, like tell us who you are, how you got into coaching, what you do at the moment, and a little bit about kind of that journey you've gone along. Hey guys, so I'm Kirsty um, and I have been working in the fitness industry since I was really young, since I was sort of 17, 18. Um, and I started off, I started off my life in, in exercise, being a professional dancer and musical theatre. And then I also dabbled with a little professional kickboxing and Mai Tai as well. So I was, I was really interested in the movement um, and I've sort of been running exercise sessions and leading exercise sessions all the way back since when I was in school and so after a few years of working in that industry I I took the decision that it possibly wasn't really for me it was difficult it was a lot of rejection there was a lot of body confidence issues going around um, in terms of of maintaining jobs in that industry and I thought well, what else do I love and I was blessed that I had two loves I was always really interested in sport so working with people and working um, with sport was something I was fascinated with. So I took kind of the natural progression to um, do my certification first in exercise classes in the effect in sort of the mid 2000s, stomping around to exercise to music classes, which was which was fun and a great way to, to kind of um, cut my teeth with it. Um, but then I found that that wasn't comprehensive enough. It wasn't um, it wasn't in depth enough for me. So I went and I did a lot more training. Um, I worked. Um, I actually was living in Australia at the time, and I did my certification for my master trainer and my personal training certification over there, which was which was brilliant. And then, unfortunately, um, I suffered quite a, a nasty knee injury, and it made me sort of have to think about how I train what training meant to me and how I was going to integrate exercise whilst managing, you know, arthritis and, and bits and pieces after just a lot of heavy sport. So it was an interesting progression from, you know, heavyweight training, from big deadlifts, from heavy squats to, you know, real lovely technical strong lifts to thinking, right, how am I going to integrate all of the wonderful benefits that I love from exercise and from movement into a body that isn't quite so able to tolerate those kind of things anymore. And that kind of led me to Pilates. Somebody introduced me to the Pilates method and said, you know, give this a go. This is what people who have got injuries do. And that, it, honestly, it just changed my life. 
I absolutely had this moment where I was like, this is, this is amazing. Everybody needs to be doing this. And my family are like, we get it. You like it. You can stop talking about it now. But, <laughs> but truly it totally changed my perspective in terms of how I approach movement, how I integrate movement and how I introduce movement um, to my clients, because it encourages that lovely connection of brain, breath, movement and moving mindfully which to me actually lends itself across the whole spectrum of coaching and training. And so that notion of marrying breath, movement, relaxation, and being relaxed when you are exercising and moving has informed the training that I do with my clients in the gym, as well as in the studio. So the ideology behind Pilates has kind of trickled out into my wider thought process about training. So that's kind of a synopsis of, of where I started. And, and now where I am, I um, have a physical premises in Suffolk, in Ipswich, where we deliver um, bespoke personal training and small group, beautiful Pilates and ex small group classes um, with my team that offer sports massage and rehabilitation as well. But since COVID, um, I thought, you know, we weren't able to access our clients. We weren't able to communicate with our clients, which felt horrible. So we thought, how can we communicate all of the wonderful work we do in-house with them virtually? So we basically put together, and I put together a virtual fitness platform called The Fit Business, um, which delivers really lovely, high-quality, daily, fresh content um, on an app where people can just enjoy all different types of genres of movement and exercise from the comfort of their own home instead of you know, being in the gym. And that's provided us a lovely alternative and a lovely way to continue to touch base and communicate with our people when we've not been allowed to be around them physically. That's awesome. Yeah, no, you sounds like you've had a really cool journey through the through the industry. And I think it's probably one that's echoed by, I'd imagine, a few people in that kind of idea of, I know a lot of us get into sport with aspirations of, of high performance, quickly <clears> realise that it's it's not likely to happen for a lot of us or injuries pop up i know certainly i've had similar experience with injuries where it's changed and and kind of um pushed me towards different directions um in the past and i think it's interesting isn't it because it, it, a lot of our own learning and our own application as coaches comes from our own past experiences be it injury or whatever like you get to a point where it's like oh I can't now do what I want to do so I have to find an alternative and that leads you to kind of branch out in in other ways um be that Pilates be that whatever like but I think more of a, a movement um movement kind of informed focus has been mm. kind of real real shift in the last few years personally for me as well as I think the industry as a whole has kind of realized that oh actually we can we can move well we can feel better and we can also perform at a higher level and be that through Pilates or be that through whatever that might be in terms of like a more biomechanically focused approach or or just mm. understanding people and this is something that's come up with a few other guests I've had on here like the, the holistic approach to mm. exercise fitness coaching that kind of world and it's more than just a case of like cool here's the reps and sets we're going to do and here's the exercise and let's just go and, and kind of run with that but it's, it takes it's interesting, like a isn't complete it? view isn't it it is it's interesting because I think sometimes as coaches we don't separate ourselves from the perspective of the client so the client the person actually I'm not going to call them a client the person my people because my people I look after my people I love 
looking after and implementing practical solutions for the people who come to me for help and assistance. And so for me, what I've learned, if I could talk to my 17 year old self, I'd give myself a little smack around the face because the quality of what I was, I was delivering was poor. It wasn't exemplary. It was, you know, very much focused on sets, reps, go do. And that actually, if I, you know, if I saw myself, if I saw me training somebody else when I was 17, I'd be like, hideous. And so the journey that you come on in terms of as a coach and what to me, I think separates coaches is that empathy and that understanding and trying to put yourself in the person's shoes who's coming to you for assistance, because we forget that not everybody loves exercise because we love exercise. We love moving. We love all of, you know, the the intricacies of of talking about, you know, biomechanical, you know, I think by definition we are all fitness addicts and yeah absolutely we get fixated over foot placement and you know spinal positioning and all of those things that are relevant but I would argue not particularly relevant to a normal person that wants to feel well that wants to move a little better that wants to have more energy to play with their kids or get through their day or, or or rather than just exist in their life enjoy thrive and and maximize their potential, unlock their potential. And so for me, the journey that I've gone on through through some personal struggles and through some, some, some life experience, I, I now pride myself on putting myself in my person's shoes and really trying to understand what it is they want to achieve from the exercise. Because when you do that, you can then implement a solution that is has a lot more longevity for them and has a lot more, it is sort of centered around fun. So honestly, like my my sessions with my with my people, they're, you know, I know about their kids, I know about their, you know, their problems. You know, we talk sometimes about shoes, sometimes about serious things. And and my my focus, my ideology, it's top down, it's brain down. Like you've got to create an environment where that person feels comfortable, relaxed and cared for, comfortable, relaxed and cared for. If you can create that environment where the person thinks you give a shit about them, where that person thinks this person is interested in me, as well as this person being an expert, in my opinion, the expert comes at the end of the list of priorities, empathy and care would be where I place the emphasis on how I would approach I think if working we're thinking about that as well, like in terms of clients, people getting results from training, so much of that is in, and this is something I talked about with uh, with um, Dustin, who I had on my podcast yesterday, the idea of belief and, and mm. buy-in as well with your with your coach, with whoever. Like, the end of the day is, say, like the, the kind of the nuanced elements of what the actual program includes mean very little in the bit, like the grand scheme of it, like, you can really do almost anything and get results to a to a degree it's more about if you believe in the process if you believe in the the person in front of you if you enjoy the process yeah if you enjoy the process if you're bought into it like you get so many more results i mean it's it's kind of an old saying that i've I've heard quite a few times in terms of like the the best program in the world that someone doesn't want to do isn't good like the the worst program that someone wants to do will get more results um Mm. And then kind of moving back to the point you made before, I think it's like it's the idea of 
getting people to be able to live through their fitness rather than living for their fitness because us as coaches live for fitness it's kind of it's our it's our world it's our job it's what we love and our passion but that isn't what everybody's passion is and the vast majority of people don't have that passion it's more a case of like i'm doing this because of the other things outside of 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 the pure kind of like training element that i want i want to live a kind of more fulfilled life not have this is something i've personally kind of come to realize is not having our physical abilities be the limiting factor in what we want to do in our lives um and i think at a base level for kind of everyday general population people that's the goal is to not have their fitness their strength their kind of conditioning cardio whatever you want to call it be the limiting factor it's like i want to be able to yeah play with my kids i want to feel happier and healthier and all these kind of things as as the kind of Mm. real goal and it's like if my physical ability fitness wise or whatever is holding me back from being fulfilled in those areas that's maybe when having a coach someone to help you on that journey is really important but we probably don't have to go down quite to the level of like being obsessed with it um you no know, i absolutely agree with you i it's it's fascinating to me but do you not think there's been a real shift in people's mindset away from that like squat hard go hard train hard it's all of those associated words around hard i just reject the premise of that i reject the whole notion of that Mm. it's like my one of my overriding overarching principles that particularly pertains to pilates is you've got to make it easy you've got to think it easy you've got to make you've got to make it easier for your body and i always use the analogy of um uh for example if you look at somebody who is good at anything they always make it look easy. Like, for example, you know, you see a cricketer like throwing a ball out from that, you know, from boundary, you know, it doesn't look like they're muscling it. It doesn't look like they're ramming it, like they're jamming the ball. They just let the arm come back. They let that arm fly. They breathe through it. They keep everything relaxed. The face is soft. The shoulders are soft. You know, there's no grimace. There's no pain associated with that. So one of my overarching underlying principles that informs all of the movement I do is you've got to think it easy you've got to make it easy because then your body will accept it as something that is kind friendly non-threatening and and absolutely fine I find like I don't know about you in in my prior you know my previous days of training I would approach my my deadlift bar and I'd be looking at and I'd be scared shitless of it thinking oh my back Oh, it's too far to the ground. Oh, I've got to push my heels in. Oh my God, come on, Kirsty, brace yourself, push it. And the whole experience surrounding it is stressful, full of angst, full of the fear of failure, full of the, the pressure to put another five kilos on the bar and drag it up, even though it's not a natural lift. For me, I'm not biomechanically suited to said lift. And so I look back at the way that I trained and I just think, what were you doing, Kirsty? Like, what, how, you know, how did you think that was good? It was like punishment, you know, self-loathing, full of all of those, those things that I think people go through as they get into adulthood and find who they are and who they want to be and how they want to live. And so now when I look at like I look at a Pilates movement and I and I or, or a squat or a lunge or a, a push-up or anything. I just think move beautifully, move easily, because actually that's when you get that sense of self-accomplishment, fulfillment and endorphins. And and yes, I managed it. And it doesn't matter if you did it on your knees. It doesn't matter if you did it on your toes. It doesn't matter if you if you went down two thirds of the way and you didn't you didn't complete the full rep. 
you then start to flip your perspective into what can I do? What can I achieve? And how can I achieve it in a way that feels relaxed? Because that's when you start to to bash through barriers with people, when when they don't feel like it's stressful, when they feel like it's becoming part of something they can do. I find the progress and the outcomes from an aesthetic and a functional and a strength and a self-confidence perspective just exponentially just explode for the positive. And that's the kind of ideology I try and implement across the board with the people that I look after. I suppose it's, it's, it's the idea of going from self-limiting beliefs, self-limiting practices into actually what can I do and finding the the small wins and this is something I, I talk a load with clients about is the idea of we don't want to be pushing to an absolute max on a regular basis because that's very limiting in a sense like yes it's important to understand maybe where those limits lie and sometimes yeah we probably need to be attempting to kind of push those further and and, and approach those but if we're doing that on a very very regular basis it's very self-limiting because it's like well you're always butting up against what you can't do and you're never actually thinking about hang on here's what I can do and then from a kind of a physiological training sense like if we're doing kind of the 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 consistent things that are maybe 80% of a theoretical max and below that's kind of where the real progress is made isn't it because we're actually able to consistently stick with these things we can do the little steps daily that are going to kind of um I heard it called like marginal gains and we're looking for those marginal gains, those marginal wins. And that's on a daily basis. That's on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, yearly. And it, it kind of all these things add up over time to consistent and kind of real mm. progress. And it's about the habit changing and, and building those positive um, habits that become part of the daily routine. So, for example, like when I implement my online platform, um, I, I sell my online platform to businesses um, and the staff within the business have access to said platform. But it's interesting, that person hasn't purchased it, it's been purchased for them. So how do you get them to engage with content that they're not actively possibly interested in? And the way that I do that is I have um, a segment in my um, sessions called the morning mindful movement, and it's 10 minute movement flow that is really accessible that I encourage people to do when they get out of bed in the morning. So allocate 10 minutes to movement, to positive movement, and see if you can build that habit of implementing that day in, day out, and see if it makes you feel better. And what they find is that positive movement, that positive routine um, actually establishes you know, positive results in that they feel more energized, they feel more focused for the morning, because it's not exercise, exercise per se, it's just moving. You know, it's breathing, it's working into those lovely breath stretches, movement. And it's how you implement those small habits that then actually teases them and gives them a little bit of a taster for what they could be achieving in the wider sense of the exercises outside of these tiny little 10 minute tasters and what you then find is when they build that confidence surrounding that small victory they then think you know I might try a 30 minute Pilates class I might try um, a ballet bar class I might try the strength and conditioning class and it's just you've got to get that hook you've got to hook their interest and then set that focus and that habit to then see where it takes them but it is an organic process it does take time yeah, you know so they're not going to be jumping the, into the really hit class breaking down those they barriers isn't it, it, it mm. like, Estab- it's establishing self-confidence barriers up in people's way of like and i think this is it back to your point around where it's like 
everything's hard and hard and that's kind of like the idea that's pushed forward that's a big barrier to entry for a lot of people that's why a lot of people don't get into exercise health fitness because they think it's going to be challenging and they think it's going to be really hard and yes there is an element of that certainly it's not easy otherwise it would be incredibly accessible but i think as coaches it is our job to communicate to people show people take people through that kind of that really step-by-step habit forming journey of like here's something we can do to start with and yes one day we might be at a higher level but now this is the focus this is what we're going to do it's implementing this one thing that you can do is easy for you to do doesn't have a huge barrier to entry and then it's like just slowly breaking down those those kind of harder and bigger Mm -hmm. barriers isn't it and that's we Absolutely. Sometimes and we make it harder for clients, harder for people to actually get started, whereby we should be doing the opposite. We should be making mm. it easier for people to start these things and, and opening it up to the potential that they actually have. And it's interesting. Like, this is a question I always ask my clients because they come in sometimes and they have really quite like they have goals that they 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 think they want to achieve. And I think it's an interesting point reading the subtext in what somebody is somebody says as a coach and, and interpreting what they actually mean behind what they what they come in and they say but they'll say something like I'd like to improve my flexibility and my question is always why what what, what are you not flexible enough to do currently and they say well you know I know that I need to improve my flexibility and, and I don't think people ask why enough because there's so much pressure from different sources, you know, from the media, from their friends, from their family saying, oh, you need to be doing this, mom, or you need to be doing this, so-and-so. And it's like, I always ask the question, why do you think that that is what you need? And if they say, oh, because I, I, I read somewhere that, you know, you need to have super flexible hamstrings to maintain spinal health. And I'd be like, well, actually, let's talk about that because that that isn't strictly true. You know, actually, where there is flexibility without strength, that's where people come unstuck that's where that's where you get those kind of problems around laxity of of structure and so so to me I think it's always important and it's it's a really important part of our role to help that person understand what they need why they need it and what they possibly don't need that they think they might need (laughs) yeah yeah I think yeah that that's that's our job as coaches really isn't it that's why we spend so so long and so much time and energy understanding the deeper the deeper kind of why of things in terms of like training and all that kind of stuff but so we can then apply that and help people mm. go through that journey because yeah there are so much misinformation out there around things like that example and and kind of numerous numerous others around people coming to you and saying well i need more flexibility i need to be this 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 whatever and it's like well that's on the face of it you you've potentially seen somewhere or or you kind of you've attach your your kind of emotional pain point to that that thing you've Mm. identified as like this is the issue i don't have flexible hamstrings for example that's the problem it's like well the the deeper problem is probably that you're not feeling right your body doesn't feel good you aren't enjoying what you're doing you potentially have some pain or something like that and you've just associated that with tight hamstrings and that can sometimes be from people in the industry it can be people like you might have gone to see a, a physio who has a kind of very one-sided view of things and it's like oh well you need your hamstrings to be more flexible and that will solve honestly it. and it's if like, I had a- no because you, you've just attached something emotional to a clear kind of problem solution but mm. kind of the the steps between problem and solution are never as clear-cut and linear as you might think 
But honestly, if I had a pound for every time a person had come to me and said, my physio says I've got weak glutes and tight hip flexors. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And it's such it's a lazy diagnosis. It's a lazy diagnosis. You know, you just think, and then, and like you say. It's one of those things like, oh, I need to activate my glutes. And I was like, cool. Oh. If you go and sit down on that chair, and then if you stand up again, you just activated your glutes because otherwise you wouldn't have been able to stand up. So it's it's a it's such a pointless diagnosis of it. Oh, isn't it just? And so, so what the question is, is how can you get your brain to connect with your body so that it moves optimally for you, which is not going to be the same for everybody. And it's, it's like, I, I feel really strongly that actually some, sometimes in the, in the medical community, they are responsible for, for creating really damaging state of mind for the, for the patient with some of the diagnosis they get. I mean, I did some work experience. Um, Anti-fragile, which is a good book yeah. kind of various. It's creating fragility mindsets around like, mm. here's a whole list of things I can't do, which comes back to the mm. point we were talking before. Like if, you, if you're if you constantly thinking about, here's mm. what I can't do, mm. uh, the list of things that you can do starts to dwindle and just disappear, doesn't it? And it's like, well, actually, uh, you can be adding to this list continually and there there's a whole host of different things that you can be doing that are going to positively impact your journey where you want to be that we don't even have to really worry about the things that you can't do like they don't matter like yeah exactly. yeah and it's it's interesting like well I, I don't know if you've come across this so so I am a personal trainer pilates specialist spinal rehab coach that that is how I, I brand myself and that though that is my specific skill set um, but the amount of times I have people come in who have seen a physio and osteo or a chiro who obviously have that elevated um, education um, or that you have to remember as well that all of these all of these practitioners are also businesses and their business lives and dies on people coming back for additional treatments as every business does so so for me I think there has to be a discussion about the responsibility you have to your patient as a medical practitioner in that in that sense be it physio chiro osteo in terms of what are you trying to do for your client are you trying to help them help themselves to improve themselves or are you trying to get 12 weeks worth of chiropractic adjustments out of them filling their head with fear filling their head with with um negative thought processes saying no you can't go and you can't go to your yoga class you can't go to your physiotherapy you know you can't go to your pilates class oh no don't see your personal trainer give it a give it a rest stick with me for 12 weeks and then at the 12 weeks you know i think you'll be feeling better i think and, and i think this is where someone resting made them better is minimal it's, yeah right like, absolutely and and so what you need we... to stress your body you need to cause adaptations you need to do something that's going to take you to a point where you weren't at when you when you came in with that issue which by and large, people not being strong enough not being able to control their bodies well enough and it's like well to fix that you don't need to rest you need to actually mm. do something that's gonna move. move your body forward so i'm a huge believer in the concept of gradual exposure to load um, and that for me works incredibly well when you are trying to bring somebody from a place of discomfort, pain, fear, anxiety to to functioning in a way that is is more natural on a daily basis. And so so I have this sensation and, you know, it's backed up by a lot of practitioners that you have to sneak up 
on your central nervous system. You have to sneak up on your body. You don't want to sledgehammer it. And so this, this notion of gradual exposure to load, to me, is, is a strategy that I use really effectively with my rehab clients, with my with my clients generally, specifically with pain patients, because actually, if you can just gradually over a period of time, um, increase their capacity to tolerate load, exposure to load, then actually, over a period of time, the sensitivity comes right down, the capability comes up, and the brain and all the fear and anxiety associated with said movements starts to come down. So what you get is is more capacity to tolerate the load, a reduction in sensitivity, and um, an improvement in confidence surrounding the affected area. And when you can calm that central nervous system down, take, take the sensitivity down around the pain, and you can gently bring in more function that's just a really smart way to help people get back to moving in a way that feels comfortable and positive much more so than don't do anything you can't do anything sit tight you should feel pain you know oh you might feel a bit of pain after I've cracked your back and all of these things and and I think as an industry as a whole you know from a holistic perspective of health we all have to be more responsible about our choice of words how we frame it to our clients because they're not coming from the same place of understanding of you know musculoskeletal things of um, of the psychology associated with these types of things so care choice of words to me plays a huge role in positive outcome for patient mm. i think it's a, mm. it has to be a passive and active approach on not just the physical elements but also as you say like the psychological elements that underlie all of that because our psychology our perceptions of specific pain specific exercises all that kind of stuff has a huge impact on our on our kind of physical ability and there's so much like we are as humans incredibly dynamic and incredibly complex systems that have a million and one different inputs and if we are only approaching a, a problem within that from one angle like it's a bit hammer and nail isn't it like every every problem you're kind of applying the same thing for and it's like well at a certain point you have to account for the fact that there's a whole load of other stuff that does have a big effect and mm. if not nobody nobody in the kind of fitness world has the ability or i think has really managed to truly approach that in a in complete encompassing manner because it's impossible it's so complex and there's so many different elements to to kind of attack but we can do a better job by taking a more holistic approach of this person in front of me is a person so there's elements of that that I have to account for equally there's some kind of real technical elements as a coach like from a biomechanical physiological standpoint that will help this person get to their end goal but that doesn't discount then the fact that they're still a person and you still have to approach mm. them that way and I mean, in my experience as well, working um, with pain patients, working with chronic pain patients as well, you if you don't consider the wider circumstances around their lifestyle, then how can you expect to understand where, where they're coming from? So, I mean, for example, often, you know, people with chronic pain, chronic conditions present have incredibly complex and difficult home lives. You know, they might have children with significant disabilities. They might be caring for somebody. You know, they might have, you know, a myriad of stress surrounding themselves and their wider lifestyle. 
And so from my perspective as a practitioner that, that deals with these types of situations and people, for me, creating an environment where that person can feel safe and relaxed is absolutely pivotal before you even think about exercises, before you even think about rehab, before you even think about movement. So, you know, that person might need somebody, you know, just to to, to have put the hand on their shoulder and say, how's, you know, how's your day? You know, what's going on? How's your son? You know, do you want to, do you want to just air it out? And sometimes it like, it comes out of them in like a, in a, in a rush and you can physically see the shoulders come down, the face soften, you know, the body, it's like, it's, it's, a, it's an obvious release, a physical release that actually their, their pain is being fueled by their angst whatever else is going on around their wider their wider life and so the the whole in traditional therapies is that it's you know sore muscle rub it you know spinal alignment crack it and actually it's like that's not a complete solution like you said it's not a complete solution for a person what you need to create is an environment where they feel safe where they feel relaxed and where they feel like they can improve themselves and once you once you put that framework in place then in my opinion the exercise selection is kind of by the by it's neither here nor there because actually what you've done is you you've created an environment that feels comfortable in which they can then achieve so a different way of looking you, at it. You know, in the end of the exercise, that's to take someone forward from whatever point. But if you haven't established a baseline and got them to a point where they're actually open to improve, it's you're just adding more kind of more petrol to that fire. Yeah. You're not doing anything in a positive sense, are you? Yeah. If you kind of and I see this a lot of people do they come in incredibly stressed, both mentally and physically. And it's kind of like, oh cool, what exercises can I do to make this better? And it's like nothing nothing you do from an exercise perspective is going to improve your probably your current situation in the ways that you want to because you're just adding more to that already kind yeah, of, load of, stress. of of stresses and realistically what we need to do is probably take five steps back and that's hard because that's not always an easy sell because someone comes to you as a practitioner with the idea of like you're going to offer me a service you're going to add something to my life and people don't always want to hear like we're actually going to start by taking some steps back and taking some stuff away here because really I, as a practitioner, can't help you until we've established the deeper underlying issues, things that are holding you back potentially. Um, and yeah, we can't start going forward until we maybe take a few steps back. And I think that's where, that's where a lot of the time it is missed, isn't it? Because it's kind of like... And sometimes, you know, you're not the right fit for the person. Absolutely. Like I, you know, I historically have started working with people and, and it just, you know, after a session or two, I just refer, I refer them along to somebody who I think is going to get them in a way that that works for them or is just going to be a better fit for them. Because I think sometimes there's that inherent arrogance that we are, you know, the solution providers to everybody when in reality, I mean, not everybody gets along with everybody. And I think it's having that confidence to to know when it's not a good fit for the person or for yourself. Because I think sometimes, I don't know if you experience this at the end of the day, you think I actually can't take on any more angst <laughs> from anybody else. And I think if somebody if you if you haven't got the space to take on, you know, that person, then you shouldn't. This is, yeah, I think when I was a younger, young 
kind of coach within the I mean still quite young but when I was younger in the industry and in my first kind of initial steps into it and I was yeah I was a group fitness coach essentially glorified group fitness coach whatever you wanted to call it and whatever I kind of title I, I gave myself that's what I was <laughs> and 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 so yeah you come into that and people are kind of like you, you then have kind of consults or talk to people and they yeah they kind of come to you with all these issues and it's like I can't help. I'm sorry, but my my approach to this at the moment is is kind of very one one area and one kind of linear focus. And I I think it's it's kind of the show of someone who actually understands the deeper aspects of it that they can step back and say, hands up, I'm not the person that can help you right now. Like here, potentially are some people that that can. Um, and I think that's the not only the responsible thing to do, but in terms of like the long term benefit for yourself as a coach, that's the right thing to do, because you're only going to progress if you can actually identify here's the my current limitations. And maybe mm. it's a case of like I, I go and educate myself in other areas to be able to help people. But equally, it might be a case of like that's not something I'm particularly happy or interested in moving into. And I think that's OK as well. Like for me, for example, chronic pain and things like that is probably not an area I'll ever work in and it's probably not an area that I'll ever understand on a deeper level and if someone came to me in chronic pain I'm very happy to say sorry I'm not the person that is going to be able to help you here from performance perspective I'm no I'm very good at taking someone from here's your current performance level and I can make you better as an athlete as a as a whatever runner strength athlete whatever I can I can do that for you what I can't do is, yeah, I can't help you in terms of chronic pain, but there are other people who will do that much better than me. And I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. I think, unfortunately, our industry is peppered with low IQ, low responsibility practitioners that do a few day courses and then brand themselves as an expert and put themselves out there as an expert. And it, it, I just find it immensely frustrating because you know that's someone's life that's someone's health that's someone's someone's created that financial um, investment in that person spending their money on that person you know who has crafted a brand you know as x and uh, you know we've got to do better at flushing this low quality service out of our industry because it just gives everybody who actually does care about the well-being of their of their people in whatever capacity their specialism and their expertise is it, it, it's not good enough it's not good enough I mean I have had so many people come to me saying you know I've got a biceps tendinopathy I've got a hip tendinopathy I've I've put my back out training with so and so at so and so facility can you help me yes of course we can help you but that shouldn't have happened it shouldn't have got to the point where they had to go through two personal trainers at Pure Gym or a, you know, DW or somewhere um, that are not fit for purpose and not are not competent Staying in their lane. As, as yeah, absolutely. And so I know everybody has to start somewhere, but ultimately, if you don't have that personal responsibility to upskill, so that you really understand something, and I, I'm one of these people. I know, you know lots about a small amount of things. I don't know lots about lots. I don't pretend to know lots about lots. And I think that this modern kind of society, it, it's a troubling place for these coaches because they think they have to be experts in chronic pain, experts in performance, experts in yoga, and then some sort of, you know, some sort of motivational boot camp instructor. It's like, I know people who are fantastic uh, all of those things, you know, some of them lend themselves to a little bit of a crossover. I, I find the chronic pain and um, 
and helping people live more mindfully really exciting really fulfilling and that crosses over really nicely into the classes there's that lovely kind of synergy there but you know I I don't find you know leaping around in the park you know doing burpees particularly stimulating it doesn't it doesn't do it for me in the way that it gets other people going and I think as an industry we have to be more accountable to ourselves to know what we're good at and stay within those those parameters or like you say take the trouble to upskill and learn so that you can genuinely offer value for money and 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 a fantastic service rather than this low-end entry-level poor service that then puts people off exercise I mean our job is to encourage people to move encourage people to integrate movement into their life in whatever capacity they want to so if you've if you've done the stellar job of putting someone off Brilliant. You know, thanks for that, folks. You, you've just you've just turned somebody away that could have made those positive changes because you failed well, talking about you, you in understanding them. Another, another whole load of barriers in their way to mm. actually improving. Whereby you know, whilst they're, whilst they're cashing in their the 50 quid or something an hour. Kind of give them something that you weren't qualified, you weren't kind of um in a space to be able to provide like they're going to have or get going to have had a much more positive experience like yeah potentially you could have imparted some actual genuine value into them as a as a, as a person as a client um and then potentially it could have got to a point where it's like well i can't now offer you any more but you might i'm and I'm a big proponent of this as a coach as a as a client of other coaches myself that i i'm more than happy to come to someone and say this is this is what i want to achieve i think you're the best person to help me achieve that and at whatever time point in time it's like well even my my kind of goals have changed or what i'm struggling with has changed find someone else and i think as coaches we should be okay with that as well we should be okay to lose clients if you like because we're not the right fit for them at the right time and it might be a case of someone might come to you and say like oh cool i want to be your client and you're like great but I don't think you're at the right point in your journey for me to be the client coach for you. That's not to say that in some point in the future, I won't be the right person for you. But for example, yeah, if someone comes to me with chronic pain issues, I'm like, hands up, I'm not the right person for you. At some point in the future, I might be the right person for you, definitely. But for now, there's probably other people that will do a much, much better job of putting you on the right path towards kind of starting to address that chronic pain issue or whatever it might be you have to put your ego to the side mm. Mm. it's that simple you have to just it's not it's not personal is it you just you you know you have an obligation to do right by that person and if you can't then put that ego to the side have that self-confidence to know that you are an expert in said field and and just tell them because I think people don't like people wasting their time I hate people wasting my time I think when someone is direct and straightforward but also provides me with an alternative solution that's fine that's you know that that's that's what I would expect from a person rather than somebody kind of muddling through and scrambling providing me with a substandard service it's it's an interesting it's an interesting dynamic isn't it And, and I think the trouble is there's so many personal trainers there's so many coaches there's I don't know what you think everyone's a yoga teacher now <laughs> it's like everyone I know is now a yoga teacher people who were, who were accountants are now yoga teachers and you just think I've done I've oh, done like two hot yoga sessions I reckon I could have a crack at it 
I love hot yoga. It's amazing. But it, it it's like, it's really nuanced. It's so specific. And this is what I find interesting about Pilates as well, is the more I do Pilates, the more I understand like the real nuances, the specificity, you know, how you can, can create challenges for yourself within movements that you, you thought I've mastered that, you know, those types of things. And I think that with any movement method, there is always such excitement in learning how to apply um, nuance to the way you to move the way you, you um, execute it. And I think that's the really exciting thing about exercise is it's something that you learn from yourself in, in terms of athletic conditioning, in terms of um, output for performance might really slot in beautifully to how to do yoga pose X you know, how to do a plank, how to do a rotation with a stretch. You know, I think when you move holistically and when you think holistically and you you stop limiting your brain to thinking, well, this is my strength training session and this is my Pilates session. And you think, is there any crossover? There is bound to be, you know, there's bound to be some sort of you have to stop um, something to be gained from either. Like absolutist opinions or kind of ideas around training, don't we? And say that like, this is how I train and this, that's it. That's kind of, that is the one avenue that I go down. I think as coaches, as kind of clients within health and fitness, we need to kind of think like, well, actually there's, there's value in everything and, and no one way is the best way to achieve anything. It's just that some are probably a little bit more optimal for me at this given time. Hmm. Taking pieces from everywhere. Contextual. Yeah. So I think horses, in the kind of classical strength world, you probably don't see a lot of people saying like, oh, I need to be doing some kind of like Pilates elements in my training. Equally in the Pilates world, you probably don't see a lot of the opposite. It's like, I don't need to be doing all this kind of like heavy strength training because this is, but I think there's there's so much crossover, not just between those two disciplines, but everything mm. we can gain so much from actually being open to other people's opinions, other people's ideas mm. and taking bits of what we think is necessary or, or kind of will work from, from everything and being able to apply that into our kind of own methodology, if you like. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that that's, I have a really interesting um, thought process because first I was a professional dancer. Then I was a professional um, Thai kickboxer. Then I, you know, moved into personal training and then I suffered some injuries. And it's like all of these facets of my life that have taken me to this point have given me quite a unique perspective on movement. But it's interesting. I want to I want to draw your attention to the. So there's a thing called the Pilates principles. And so the Pilates principles are control, breath, precision, working from the center, concentration and flow. Now, if I think about strength training all of those facets absolutely super relevant super super specific they they cross over and so where i think most people would benefit from bringing something like pilates into their into their routine is when you can marry flow concentration breath precision moving from that center when you master movement that's transferable and what pilates does is it teaches you through the integration of the flow of the movements, how you can connect those facets of training and how you can connect those elements of your training so that it actually becomes really natural. And it takes us back to that point I was saying, you know, when people move easily, generally they, they look good. 
you know, if you can marry all of those components so that you execute something with what looks like relative ease, the load on your body, the load on your central nervous system, the load on your brain, suddenly it's less. And then you can actually get back to enjoying the movement and improving your outcomes, but in a way that is really protective in that you are putting yourself in a position to succeed. And that's where I find it's transformed my approach to movement. Because as soon as I, I, I started integrating these principles, I was like, these are just life principles. <laughs> They're just fantastic principles in which you could conduct anything if you wanted to learn. You know, applying something, you know, since we've had to put our business online, I've had to apply concentration, focus and discipline <laughs> in learning how to edit videos, learning how to compress videos, you know, learning how to talk to a camera because it's different to speaking to a person. And so I think where Pilates has grabbed my enthusiasm, my passion and my attention is that it is so applicable to the wider world of movement and like the wider world of, of, of living so in a way that is mindful. Is, is kind of the, the vehicle through which you've chosen to bring that, that, that kind of passion to people and that idea of kind of better, mm. if you like. But as I say, without <laughs> saying the word Pilates explicitly, those principles, those qualities would apply, I'd argue, mm. to any discipline regardless of what it is like the idea of control and flow um discipline all those kind of like those, those different qualities that are kind of exemplified through the pilates practice are true of any sport my my experience in running my experience in olympic weightlifting rugby crossfit all of these different aspects i'd argue there's elements of those principles that underlie all of those so i think it's, mm. it's, it's one of those is a very clear and obvious explicit example of how all of these different things are transferable and we can benefit from having a real kind of like generalist approach in that i can take something from anything and mm. it might apply well to my situation as as a coach as an athlete as a, as a client as whatever and i can apply aspects aspects of it i think it's just taking the idea of just because something's always been done in a certain way that is no indication that that is the best way to do it and and i think we should be open to learn and open to to accept that other practices might have a better way of doing something that's not to say that we have to completely adopt something i think when as coaches when we go to these like weekend certifications when we go to these courses you get a very kind of one-sided view of these things they can kind of telling you like here's my there might be like pilates workshops for example there's kind of like here's the pilates way and here's how we do things and it's like well what you have to do is you have to go to that think that yeah they're selling me a, a, a business model they're selling me a method at the end of the day i have to take what's valuable from this and apply it to my practice as as mm. a coach athlete client person whatever so it's just taking what's valuable it's, it's the uh was it the bruce lee quote isn't it it's um taking what's um valuable and then making it sort of strictly your own in a sense of mm. like taking elements <clears throat> from whatever capacity it might be from whoever and applying it to your own path your own journey your own direction because then you become unique you know then people will will tr use you and use your services because because of that blend of skill set I mean, I can't tell like I, I can't tell you how many weekend courses I've been to where I go in I uh, I go in with the idea if I can just take home one positive thing from today that I can implement, then it won't won't be a waste of time. Cause sometimes they're they're 
you know, they're extended, they, they're four days when they could be one day <laughs> and all of these types of things. And so actually I always think, is there one thing I can take from it? And I've been um, using somebody um, to do some Qigong for my online platform um, in terms of relaxation, breath, stress management. And it was interesting when I was editing the footage and I was looking at it, um, it's not my cup of tea, but what I, what I took from it is they have this lovely expression where they say, take it out into the blue sky. And I thought, that's lovely. I thought, what a lovely way of thinking about, you know, getting in, taking that internal stress and taking it out and letting it go into the blue sky. And I thought, I know it sounds bonkers, but actually I thought that really resonated, that kind of positive visualization. I thought, oh, I like that. I can use that in terms of, of thinking about internalizing that stress and just letting it be, letting it go, letting it out. And so that specific practice wouldn't be what I would go to for stress management, but actually I can really see the value in it. And I think it's an ignorant person that thinks their way is the only way. And I think as a practitioner arguing in the industry, don't you over methodologies, different practices. And it's so arbitrary a lot of the time, because if you actually dig into it, they're saying exactly the same thing. Yeah. They're just putting their spin on it from their specific methodology using their language around and that it's interesting. Thing, yeah it's interesting within that perspective relaxation from a pilates perspective whatever like breath work be that like an like wim hof or something a bit kind mm. of left field like they're really saying basically the same thing on a deep yeah level. you dig into it and it's just it's just what do you what resonates with you which method resonates with you and then once you find what resonates with you embrace it but what i find is fascinating is like even within pilates there's there's tons of different schools within pilates and honestly like they're vicious like about about specific exercises so my pilates practice is pretty contemporary and and i what the way i teach it is i've taken the principles i've run with it and i have integrated some of my own practice exercises that you wouldn't strictly label as pilates because they weren't in the original repertoire but to me pilates is an ideology it's a state of mind you know pilates said pilates is the coordination of mind body and spirit well that's that's a pretty that's a pretty wide net to cast your your methodology isn't it it's like you can you can create your own way within a framework and i think as an industry that's what we don't do we're too dogmatic we're too um limited we're too specific we're too um sure that we're right i don't know if i'm right i've got no idea if i'm right but what i hope is that people feel positive and feel better for for doing what I am providing for them. And I hope that it contributes to them. And that's the best I can hope for, I, I guess, as, as a, as a so person. I, yeah, yeah. I think mm. yeah, we're, all, we're all very quick to say that this is the right way for my path. But in the day, none of us have any idea. It could be totally wrong. And I mean, you see this in, in kind of the academic science world a lot, like... Mm. And theories, as a kind of, there are theories, and even the, the strongest theories, I know, like theory of gravity, for example. Like, if new evidence came along to suggest that this theory is not right, we'd change it, and that's how the scientific world works. And like, well, the world was flat, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and all these kind of things, like, all they are is their best, their best guesses until something new comes along. So it, it, it kind of, it, it should be promoted that as coaches, we're always trying to improve and always trying to upgrade ourselves and sort of like go along that self-discovery and take whatever we can from wherever we can to to try and better our practice not just mm. say like this is the way and this is the only way 
Mm, absolutely. And if anyone is interested in learning about um, pain in a really simple way, there's a fantastic TED talk. Have you um, have you seen it by Lorimer Mosley? Why things hurt? Um, possibly. I've seen quite a few um, talks. It, it's you know I would really encourage people to dive into that because it's um it's a really he's a really funny personable um chap based in um, Australia and he oh, is the maybe, real take a note of it he, in the uh, show notes. Lorimer Mosley. And so the podcast, the the, the it, it was a TED talk and it was called Why Things Hurt, and it is a really accessible way for people to understand people who are struggling with pain, with chronic pain, in a way that might give them a, a better understanding without having to have any kind of technical understanding. And it's a really, it's it's fascinating. It it really resonates with me and I'm sure it will with a lot of people. I mean, he's like a world leader. He's a phenomenal practitioner um, in terms of helping people through serious, you know, pain and dysfunction. And so, but it's funny, he integrates it in a humorous accessible way that i think people will find really really interesting i love ted talks it's kind of what me too you watch him you're like oh i feel motivated to do anything now because this person has just distilled this very complex idea down into a 10 minute talk and i now at least understand it on a more basic level that i didn't didn't before which i think is is a really nice like podcast isn't it to an extent it's kind of like you mm. very complex because pain is a hugely complex topic and it's one that experts who have been dedicated their life to the field don't understand on a kind of a, a full level and it's kind of we can distill it at least get people to kind of open up a conversation about it well to understand pain you have to understand the brain and to understand the brain i feel like we'll understand mars before we'll understand the brain it's so it's so complex and evolving and all of those things and so it's it's an interesting thing as a practitioner all we can do when dealing with with people who are suffering in this way is is encourage them to be relaxed encourage them to move and and let, allow them to feel safe so that they can then explore movement you know with tools like visualization with tools um you know like external cues and actually then you can start to help people push forward and and I think you also have to set reasonable expectations for people as well in terms of, you know, someone says, can I help you? It's like, yeah, I can help you. Can I cure you? Can I eliminate your problem? No. Mm. You know, it's a, it's a process. It's a journey. It, it's you can arm somebody with strategies and information and you can you can help them help themselves. But I think it's it's a it's a fascinating world that actually needs a huge amount of attention because the lives of these people that suffer with this are miserable and you know we're all so focused on on you know on solving all the world's problems but actually you know perhaps I'd love to shine a light in terms of raising awareness raising funds so you know so that universities can do more studies that so that organizations can invest in alternative drugs and therapies that are useful for people that that when they reach the end of the road you know from an nhs perspective and from a you know a pain clinic perspective at you know ipswich hospital which is which is bad experience you know there is something else for them to explore there is some hope for them to to try and, and channel something positive for their life moving forward because it is someone's life isn't it it's someone's health it's someone's dreams it's someone's family yeah no absolutely 100% agree with all of those that kind of that sentiment of yeah that at the end of the day there's 
there has to be kind of provision there outside of maybe the typical or traditional traditional mm. means which by and large haven't been particularly effective for for a lot yeah. of people and there is a better way potentially that that maybe uh, kind of the, the private industry like like yourself can can help and do bring a more holistic approach to that from different areas that that might actually benefit someone um and say if you can find the one person that that helps then you've added value to their lives and you've added value to the industry the, the world as a whole mm. awesome so i think yeah we're about at time there so last thing um if you want to be found where where can people find you so you can find me um, on my website, which is thefitbusiness.co.uk. And I've also um, just set up a YouTube channel, which is on my name, which is Kirsty Watling. So if you search me on YouTube, you can find me um, or you can just drop me a email via my website. I would um, encourage everybody actually to hop onto the website. Um, we offer a free seven day trial and off the back of all this Pilates enthusiasm, if you want to try it, I would really encourage you with no obligation just to try a session, give it a go. And there's very, there's varying um, difficulties. There's, there's beginners um, there's a quick power one and there's an extended one as well as a live session. So if people want to jump in and test the water with some of those, I would also challenge you to give it a go as well and actually feed back to me and let me know what you think off the back of some of the, the concepts and the thoughts yeah, we've no, discussed absolutely. today. I'm sure to check it out. And I'll link all of that stuff down in the show notes as well. So it's a little bit easier for people to um to find it. Thank uh, you very much for yeah, having thank me. You for making some time to come and come and talk today. It's been been really interesting and certainly um, I've learned plenty. <laughs> if, if, even Me if too. <laughs> Thank you. I'll see you soon. Bye. Okay, guys, that's it for another episode. Thanks for listening. Check below for all the relevant links and notes from today's episode or search for us on social media at Apex Delta Coaching. One quick thing before you go if you're a recreational athlete or fitness enthusiast who wants to get stronger and run longer, then check out the free seven-day hybrid training blueprint we've put together by following the link in the show notes or through our Instagram. It's an ebook designed to help you put together the ultimate weekly training template to crush your hybrid training goals by getting stronger and running longer at the same time without any of the confusion. Lastly, if you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review or let us know personally. Any and all feedback is greatly appreciated and it helps to grow the podcast so it can help more people. Thanks for listening, keep training and talk soon.